Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, joined as always by Ben Fredrickson, St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist. Uh, we've got some football to talk about for the first time ever, an actual, first time this year, I should say, an actual game to, uh, to analyze, break down a little bit. And we've got a really good guest this week too, Ben. Uh, I, I chatted with former Missouri tight end, living legend, uh, K-State legacy, Chase Kaufman. And uh, Chase, we, 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 we talked about the past a little bit, you know, his history uh, in this rivalry, Missouri playing K-State this week. His dad, of course, played there. And uh, we, we had a good chat. So looking forward, I hope, hope uh, listeners enjoy that conversation with Chase, who is, uh, um, you know, doing his thing up in he's, – he's up in uh, Kansas City area, back, back home. And uh, he was gracious enough to spend some time with us on the pod this week. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Looking forward to hearing – your chat with Chase and of the, of the defining moments of sports viewership that I have in my life. One of them is absolutely Chase Kaufman jumping over people. So (laughs) you guys are going to get into that. Um, I also vividly remember um, this is, this is a way, 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 way throwback, but I remember being um, I think I was in middle school at a Smith cotton high school basketball game when they were playing Mexico. And I saw a Diedrich Harrington dunk a basketball so hard I thought the backboard was going to break of course went on to play you know linebacker at Mizzou and I remember I remember thinking oh my god and that's how I felt watching Chase Kaufman jump over jump over guys and that was really before a lot of people were doing it um, right he was right. he was one of the first to go full send hurdle over over defensive backs and sometimes even linebackers so great great tight end um one of the one of the best legacy tight ends Mizzou has had and they've had some pretty good pass catchers at that position so great get man um i am humbled and honored to uh to be the warm-up act and i'm with you man it's fun to have football to dig our teeth into here we we talked a lot kind of speculatively what what we thought we could might see um and, and now we actually have some tape to to get into it i figured we kind of talk about some takeaways from the game that are not specific to louisiana tech right I think we thought maybe encouraged us or discouraged us about what we think happens Saturday in Manhattan. I mean, this is a big game for Missouri. We, we talked about it on our on our podcast where we did the picks. The, there are two road tests early in the season for this team at Kansas State, at Auburn. If you find one a way to win one of those, you feel pretty good. If you find a way to win them both, you feel really good about, you know, the expectations for this season maybe being a little too low entering it. Um, I thought on, you know, on Thursday night against Louisiana Tech, we saw a product from Missouri that should be able to make this game really interesting. They've got to clean some things up and we'll get into that. But I thought the most important things we talked about were Brady Cook playing solid. He did. Luther Burden making an impact. He certainly did. And the defense showing that it was on a more solid footing. They had some mistakes in the passing game, but I thought fundamentally they looked a lot better than where they were at the start of last season, which was very bad. And there were clearly some improvements there. Some of the new guys really popped on the field. So I thought it was an encouraging first game for Mizzou, but listening to Eli Drinkwitz yesterday, Dave, you were there. It, it didn't sound like he was ready to, uh, he was ready to start handing out uh, awards just yet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I described his mood as feisty. I, he had a real serious tone. There was no one-liners, just none of that. I mean, he dropped like three bull craps. Uh, he was super serious. And, you know, I think he, he does that with, with intentions. 
Um, I, I think a lot of coaches do that. I mean, Nick Saban is the master. Larry Smith back in the day used to do that. I mean, he came with a theme every week that he wanted to kind of use the media as his vessel to, you know, pass along his sentiments to the team. And, and Drinkwitz was doing that this week. And I think the message was, he, he said several times, like, we don't need anybody patting ourselves on the back, you know, for winning that game. That game doesn't mean anything now. And that's the, that's, I think if you're a fan, that's what you want to hear after beating a conference USA team. And now you're going on the road to play a pretty big, good big 12 team. Um, you know, nothing that they did against the run defensively is really going to matter Saturday against Deuce Vaughn, one of the best running backs in the country, a 1400 yard rusher last season, but we did see promising things. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, I thought they were physical against the run, you know, Louisiana tech's not, that's not necessarily what they're known for, or what I think they will be known for under Sonny Cumbie. But last year, teams that weren't very good, um, weren't very good offensively, still just ran it up the gut on Missouri all the time. So I, I thought that was really encouraging. Tyron Hopper, Chad Bailey at linebacker, I thought were excellent. J.C. Carlisle coming up from safety, making some big hits. Martez Manuel. Uh, guys were just physical, and they were making – open field tackles uh, pro football focus had Mizzou with just five missed tackles which is a really small amount um, Blake Baker a defensive coordinator said the way he he counted it was you know their analytics said they were right at 15 percent missed tackle percentage which means I guess they were making 85 percent of their tackles that they they should have and he said that's the cutoff for what their goal is every week so that was that they hit their goal um, but I, I just thought it looked just much the fundamentals, like you said, were better. It just looked much more crisp. And that's got to give them a little boost going into, I think it gives them a better shot at K-State because that's all they're going to face. I mean, Chris Kleiman now in his fourth year at K-State, they have ranked last in the Big 12 in pass attempts every year he's been there. Uh, they play keep away. They'll be fine with hogging the ball as long as they can. They're not going to put it in the air very much and they don't make mistakes. So Missouri is going to have to just be a lot better, a lot cleaner in, uh, in week two to have a chance. Yeah, 11 rushing yards allowed for Missouri in week one. And again, you kind of throw that out because Tech doesn't want to run the ball. They, they're an air raid, and, and that, that's not their game. And you almost flip that on its head for the Kansas State game. So I kind of get what Drinkwitz is saying there is like you don't, you don't hold that up as something to celebrate. But I do think you can, you can cite that the physicality, the, just the, the, the made tackles. We talked so much about missed tackles early in the season for all teams. Um, go ask Purdue what they're working on after, after losing their week one game. And it's, it was shoddy tackling. It looked like they hadn't tackled. And Eli made a point to say they were as physical in practice this going into through this fall as they could be. Um, they really stressed, you know, form tackling. And it sounds, okay, yeah, these guys should know how to tackle, but it's the practice of it. It's the routine of it. You don't want to go through camp and not hit anybody and then all of a sudden get there when the game's on the line and you're trying to remember what that physicality is like. So that stood out to me, and I think you tip a, a cap to Baker for that. Um, they've got to get some of the passing breakdowns cleaned up that allowed to those three touchdowns, really only two. One of them came with five seconds left. You're talking about you know, some subs in and, and, and different, right. different feel at that point. But the two they gave up were, were, were breakdowns. They weren't missed tackles. So they that's something that should be fixable. And I think that's coachable. You got guys there who can make plays. I was struck by 
the the feeling of that the new transfers are, are ready to go now. I think last season there were some examples. I don't want to beat up on him because he got better as the season went along, and he was very candid about what he was adjusting to. But Blaze Aldridge, I felt like, was kind of playing with his head spinning for the first few games of the season as he tried to adjust from from Rice to the SEC. Um, Tyron Hopper does not need to adjust. He just needs to play. He's he's a heat-seeking missile. He he plays downhill. I mean, he brings a a a wow factor to that linebacker spot that that they tried to develop last season and didn't get really steady play there toward the second half. So I think that's huge. I thought Joseph Charleston was really impressive. He was involved in one of the breakdowns that led to the touchdown, but he also he also um, you know had an interception, one of three in the first half, and he came up. He just did a really good job of coming up and being physical in the run game, which I think is important. He, we didn't talk about him a ton, Dave, because he was that right. weird timing. We've talked more about Nick Honor, the Clemson basketball transfer, right, yeah. than, than Charleston, who's the football transfer. But it's like, oh, yeah, that guy transferred from a really good program. And he's he's pretty good. Um, Eli was really high on him after the game. I thought he jumped out big time. Um, and the other thing, too, and I think this is important, and it could be important against K-State, I thought Hopper was extremely lethal in the screen game. I mean, he, yeah. he had like three tackles on pass attempts on completions that went for a yard or less. I mean, he was blowing up screens. And if you if they make that something you can't do against them, then that really takes away a key part of a of a of a standard kind of traditional offense. So I thought that was I thought that was pretty encouraging. Um, if you're K State and you can take some shots down the field, you want to because it, Mizzou has kind of shown that they can get twisted up there a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me if they they look for some of that based off what they saw against Tech. So yeah. we'll need to clean some of that up. Speaking of newcomers on defense, I, I heard a comment earlier this week during interviews that my ears really perked up, and I, I asked for a follow-up. Jaden Jernigan, the new defensive tackle from Oklahoma State, was talking about how motivated this defense is to get past last year and make up for all the struggles they had last year. And he just kept saying our struggles last year are we. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, that's interesting you say that because you were at Oklahoma state last year on a really good defense. Like, why are you saying we, you weren't part of that. And he's like, but I'm part of this defense. And I know what these guys went through last year and they, they want to move past that. So I'm, I'm here to help. And he's like, so I wasn't here for it like in person, but I'm here now. And that's my job. So I really thought that that was an interesting comment. A lot of times with these transfers, I mean, they, they are in and out. You know, what happened in the past has nothing to do with them. Um, and, and he really bought into, hey, I'm here to fix the problem, help fix the problem. This is our defense, not your defense. So I, that just, to me, I know it's just a quote, a comment, but it says something that they're, they're bought in. And maybe that shows up on the field throughout the season. Maybe it's just a throwaway line, but um, you know, he, he really seemed earnest when he said that. I think that does stand out. I I feel good about what we talked about some of the themes entering this, this first game and, and entering this season, because we kind of noted these transfers who are showing up are, are different cats than, yeah. than the guys who came the season before. Um, Jernigan is one of them. Hopper is, is one of them. We didn't spend much time on on Charleston. That's our bad. We we should have, but there are other guys that these guys are are familiar with the stage. And the other thing that we talked about on the other side, which we saw immediately in, in week one, was 
we, we knew that Eli was kind of downplaying the Luther burden hype day, but we also said, Hey, he's got to get him the ball. He's got to get him the ball in space. They've got to use him in different ways, creative ways. Well, we saw it and Eli admitted he was kind of sandbagging some of it, which was probably smart. He scores a touchdown after running through three guys on a, on a, on a passing completion, which for some reason was initially called a run play, but they got it sorted out. He, he jumps into the wildcat. Um, he probably would have had jumps to the wildcat for another touchdown. He probably would have had a third if he would have caught a ball that bounced off his, of his hands that Eli said, Brady Cook kind of threw it too hard, but it hit him in two hands. I mean, he's, he, right. he's going to want to catch that ball. Um, so there was, there was a rookie, you know, freshman mistake in there, but we saw a guy who can do a lot of different things, who does not look like he's being uh, overshadowed by the the increase in competition and size and talent around him. He's he's good to go, and it sure seems like Eli is committed to using him in a lot of different ways. There were some good things on the offensive side of things, um, you know, some really good receiver play. The, the kind of the running back committee is going to be fertile ground for discussion as that competition continues. And I thought Cook just did what he does um, and really showed how he can impact the game with his legs, which you've done a great job of pointing out. Hey, this guy's this guy can run. And yeah, he's he's mobile. We saw that on the broken play that turned into a touchdown. That's the kind of play last year. It's a sack. It's a covered sack. He's like couldn't get out of that. Now, maybe he does this year for Indiana. He's healthier. But last year, that's a sack. He turns it into a touchdown. But to me, still the defining mo- the, the 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 star power of the game on offense was wow, Luther Burden can really impact this offense in a lot of different ways. And he's got the coach who can use him. Yeah. Impact is a good word. I think I wrote that his, his impact kind of transcended the output, because if you just, if you didn't watch the game, you just looked at the stats, you'd be like, Oh, I thought this Luther Burden guy was supposed to be special because he only touched the ball six times and had, you know, maybe 50 yards of all purpose yards. Uh, Now, granted two of those were touchdowns where you, you, you only get the yardage that you ran because you have to stop at the end zone. He could have just kept going and got four <laughs> yards. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought I'm really interested to see what he can do in a full game that's not out of hand by the third quarter where it's back and forth um, and you get to see kind of the full complement of his talents and the entire playbook. Um, I, I think we're going to keep seeing him in those Wildcat situations. Uh, you know, Brady Cook did not complete – really downfield passes like like deep ones beyond 20 yards but he tried to and I think he threw three to burden one good for a pass interference penalty Uh, they got to keep working on that that's that's part of this game part of this offense that they have to develop more of a downfield threat because that will open up so much more inside and uh, you just you got to have that you know you don't need Blaine Gabbert's arm or Drew Locke's arm but you've got to be able to have that threat and they haven't really had that in a while. I mean, Bazelak was hit or miss sometimes, um, not very consistent. And, you know, I say what you will about Cook's arm. Um, he can get it down there to give a guy like Luther Burden or Toski Dove a chance to go up and get it. And I think if you have that in your in your in your bag, what what can a Dominic Lovett do, you know, on those underneath routes over the middle inside? What can the running back start to do if safety's got to all of a sudden worry about the deep pass? Um, it, it can open up a whole lot of things. And so I'll, I'll just be interested and in see if that starts developing here in week two and week three. And once they finally then get into SEC play. Yeah. I like that they were taking those shots and Hey, if you get a, a pass interference penalty on that play, that does work. That's, that's right. basically as good as a, a completion. You just don't get the yards after the catch. 
Um, so you want to see one of those pop probably you'd like to see one of those pop against K-State. You might need one to pop if that game's going to go your way. Um, and, and you're right. It, it opens up the top for everybody else underneath that just the, the threat of it. So that's why it was important to take those shots. Cook admitted he underthrew one of them. Um, they weren't, they weren't far off from connecting. Yeah. Um, it'll also be tougher to do that against better defenses too. So keep that in mind that the, love it was, I'm glad you brought him up. We were in the post-game press conference and Eli asked about, is asked about 10 questions about Luther Burden. And right before he's about to leave, you kind of mentioned, Hey, you know, how about that? Love it guy. He had a pretty good game too. And Eli said, uh, yeah, I'm glad somebody was watching the game. <laughs> is he an example? He's an example, right. Of a guy who can, we, we touched on this not to go, Hey, we talked about all this. We touched on this entering the season. Other guy, I think sometimes it's like Luther Burden, Luther Burden, Luther Burden. But really, it should be Luther Burden and everyone else benefiting because of him, too. The more right. attention he gets, the more he distracts the defense, the more it's going to open up things for guys like Towski and Dominic Lovett. And, you know, all of these guys who are there, you know, hopefully Mookie can get involved in that, should be better because of the, the pressure that he puts on defenses. Right. It goes back to kind of the Mike Leach definition of balanced offense. It's not balanced run pass. It's balanced among your playmakers get all of them the ball and that makes each of them more dangerous because you don't know who it's going to be. Now, um, you know, maybe burden becomes the Michael Crabtree where he catches the most, or maybe that's love it, but that just makes everyone else, um, you know, more of a threat because you just don't know who to lock in on. And uh, I love it is they, they moved him inside. I, obviously, you know, after one game, it's pretty clear that was the right move. He's a mismatch. Uh, over the middle, whether it's a linebacker or a safety, uh, he can just operate with more space around him. Uh, so I, I think that was a really good development. And, uh, I think we'll we'll continue to see this this offense evolve. I, I saw a lot of the chirping on on Twitter early in the game that Eli was being too conservative with play calling. I think a lot of that was just trying to feel out his quarterback, give his quarterback some some easy throws to make nothing downfield too much. And always too, a lot of those screens and those horizontal passes, those are setting up something else later in the game. They're a perfect example. Um, they, they threw it out to love it out on the perimeter a few times early. And then later in the first half, they were getting close to the red zone and it was third down and cook through to who else on third down, but Barrett Bannister, which kind of ran toward the sideline and caught, I think an 18 yard catch for a first down. And if you watch the play on replay, Dominic Lovett was out on the perimeter again on the play side, waving his hands over his head. You can't see me on the podcast, but I'm waving my hands over my head. And instantly, everybody, all the defenders on that side of the, of the sideline rushed to Lovett because they had seen that play already before. What did that do? That left Bannister wide open, and you know he's going to make the catch and, and move the chains. So sometimes, you know, those, those – uh, early plays are setting something up for down the road. Eli's pretty smart with stuff like that. I, I thought there was a lot of different formations. We saw the pre-snap shifts and, and motions are going to be part of this offense. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I thought that for game one, for what they needed, he did just enough. And I think we'll continue to see that evolve as the season goes on. I don't know how many other uh, teams broke out a wildcat in week one, but uh, that wasn't conservative. Yeah. They tried a double pass down the field. Um, it didn't work, but it, no. that was it. That was in their in their plans at some point. And Burden says he can throw it out of the Wildcat a little bit too. We'll see. 
we can do everything else. So there's some wrinkles there that maybe are are coming. And and I do think that Eli is serious about making this a I kind of tried to get him to talk about that after the game. I said, how, you know, in terms I'm now I'm doing something people can't see on the podcast. I'm holding my hands close together. Now I'm holding them farther apart. I said, how much deeper is your playbook now? Because you've got burden who can do all kinds of different things. Right. And you've got a quarterback who can turn a broken, not a broken play, but a basically what is a well-covered pass play into a 20 yard touchdown run. Right. Um, and he kind of said, well, well, we build the offense as we go along. And, I think what he meant by that was, I'm not going to tell you that. And also, yeah. <laughs> also like if, if you have a starting point, you can strap on and you can bolt on pieces as you go. And, and I, I think that that's what he's saying is we'll see what we can do and we can build off that. Well, I think what week one was, was an example of there's stuff to build on here and, and we'll see if they pull out some, some new looks against K-State. What has what has to happen, Dave? That that didn't happen in Week One for this to be a chance for Missouri to go on the road. Um, you mentioned Jernigan wanting to turn the page of the defense he didn't join last year, but very real is this is this kind of narrative that Eli's teams don't exactly travel all that well since he's been there. I mean, they'd like to go on the road and get a big road win and kind of start stomping on that narrative too. What has to happen that didn't happen, or maybe didn't even get a chance to happen in Week One? I mean, obviously you start with explosive plays allowed right can't give up you know passing plays of 40 50 yard touchdowns um, and expect to win on the road now with Kansas State it might not be passing plays of 40 50 yards but it might be broken runs right it might be, it might be you know dashes to, to daylight so I think decreasing the the amount of big plays surrendered is going to be number one if you take those plays out of game one you're feeling really good about this team um, they've got to limit those explosive plays and limit breakdowns that that lead to them because I think their tackling is actually at least off of one game sample size is pretty strong yeah and I think turnovers is the big one on offense they Missouri scored 52 points but they also turned it over twice you know inside the 10 yeah and you know you're lucky when you can survive mistakes like that you're not going to you're not going to have that luck probably at K-State because this is an offense offensive team at K-State where they're if, if you give them a possession they're not going to give it back very quickly I remember the last time Missouri played there was 2011 and it was a decent Missouri team James Franklin a quarterback um, you know and they made a crucial mistake I can't remember why I, th I think Franklin might have fumbled or an interception and they went like 30 minutes without getting the ball back because Bill Snyder would just sit on it and he didn't care about you know um uh, you know, style points or anything like that. And I think Kleiman is kind of has the same blueprint. They will just run the ball and run it and chew up clock. And you look up all of a sudden you have no time left to get more possessions. So you, you can't give the ball away in a game like this, especially on the road, kind of be much cleaner on offense uh, to even give yourself a chance. Is, is there, this a better test of Brady than we got week one? I mean, this is, yeah. This is a hey, how do you manage the game? How do you how do you, you you've got to take your shots? I mean, we 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 can't play it both ways here. He says you gotta complete some of those passes downfield and make some of those big shots, but also value the ball. I mean, this is a this is a the biggest test he's had yet. This isn't army in a bowl game where kind of a fluky opponent. This isn't an overmatched Louisiana Tech team. Um, this is a, a game where he can say, Hey, I'm 
I'm not only the guy, we know he's the guy, but 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 we're going places and I'm I'm leading the way. That that could be his game. Not necessarily that he has to do it in the box score that blows your mind, but right. It's gonna be a game where he plays all game and he has, you know, there this is not probably gonna be a, a blowout one way or the other. I, I imagine it's gonna be a close game whether Missouri wins or loses. So this will be a, a really telling test for the quarterback. Yeah, he's played in front of bigger crowds. You know, he played in that Georgia game last year and had about 40,000 more than will be there at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. It seats 50,000, but it will be full. There's no doubt. And it is a loud place for being, you know, on the smaller side compared to the behemoth, you know, stadiums that Missouri plays in in the SEC. Um, But it'll be loud. And, you know, those K-State fans will let Missouri have it for leaving the Big 12 um, you know, that, that I'm sure they're going to be up for this game, no doubt. So, yeah, it's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll learn more about Brady Cook in this game for sure. Um, you know, just about his composure and, you know, that the, the things that we saw in pieces, why he won this job. Now we get to see if it really plays out, you know, on the big stage in a, in a real road environment. My last thought for Eli Drinkwitz, if you uh, find yourself in a position where you are trying to, to win the game late, your 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 back's against the wall, you find a way to come up with a fumble to create a drive after it looks like you're going to go down two touchdowns, you go the length of the field to be to score, and you're one extra point away from tying the game or going for two and winning it, go for two and win the game. Don't put it <laughs> – I'll go for the extra point, which can be blocked. I'm referencing, of course, LSU, which right. I guess Dave had to be one of the crazier games that uh, you've watched. I couldn't, I couldn't go without getting your thoughts on the way that thing played out. I mean, here's Mike Norvell, the Florida State coach, who's hanging on by a thread, looking like he's about to puke because he knows they're going to lose. It's over. Right. And uh, and my God, they send out a freshman, true freshman kicker, and he and he finds a way to get the uh, PAT blocked because the up back blocks the wrong guy. <laughs> right. Like, oh my God. It, it should make Mizzou fans appreciative of, of of what it has in its special teams. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, Eli last year had that situation at home against Florida. Now, usually the the thinking is if you're on the road and you've got a chance to get it over with quickly, that's what you do. But he did it at home and brought out, you know, the offense to get the two point conversion and the Basilac the, the, the transfer connection, Basilac to Daniel Parker, uh, they get the two-point conversion and win it. So um, the way the rules are set up now, however, you have to start going for two anyway, I think on the third overtime, if he figured let's just get this over with and do it now. So I, I don't as, – as good as Missouri's kicking unit is, as good as Harrison Mevis is, if they get in a situation like that, especially on the road, I wouldn't be shocked if he, if, if he pulls out the offense and has maybe Luther Burden at quarterback. Yes with something uh, extra spicy for uh, for the Wildcats. Play to win the game, man. Um, I know we're going to get to Kaufman here. Any thoughts on 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 the ex-Tigers or could have been Tigers? I mean, you got Jaden Daniels there leading that drive. It's not his fault. LSU didn't put him out there at the chance to win the game. You've got old friend Connor Bazelak leading a – I think they're building a statue of him in Bloomington <laughs> right now, Dave. I mean, he, throws like, he completes like 50% of his passes but then leads a uh, game-winning touchdown drive for the, for the Hoosiers uh, – Seems to go well for him. Our, 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 how do we do this? So we kind of evaluate the the season these could have been Tigers have and then compare it to what Mizzou does. Is that fair? I guess it's fair. Um, you know, I mean, they all had a chance. They, they could have been the quarterback right now, um, you know, if that's what they wanted, but but they they're didn't. All, they're, yeah. all, 
Hey, Cook's one and zero, and Jaden Daniels is zero and one though. So. And so is JT Daniels. He's zero and one. He threw that interception against Pitt to uh, lose the backyard brawl. So, uh, Makai Wango had a had a pretty good game for LSU. He got that fumble recovery. He had six tackles too for a D tackle. Pretty good. So uh, I, I think LSU uh, ended up with with a pretty good one there too. We'll keep it monitored and uh, and and good luck to, to those guys as they figure out what's going on. Um, what their next step looks like but Mizzou looks pretty good right now too we'll see if they can rise to the to the level against K-State I mean this is a game Dave that they win then all the season all the season those low expectations sixth sixth in the east some of that stuff starts to to get rewritten pretty quick if they start 2-0 with a big road win at Kansas State so we'll be there I'll be there with you in Manhattan on Saturday we'll have full coverage up at stltoday.com yeah, and you know who else is going to be there? Chase Kaufman is going to be there, who grew up a Kansas State fan. Dad went to K-State, of course, but I think Chase will be wearing his uh, black and gold in Manhattan on Saturday. So let's get to our conversation with Chase Kaufman. Chase Kaufman. We have Chase Kaufman with us on the podcast today, Mizzou legend. It's weird to say that about a guy as, as young as you are, Chase, but the way your career unfolded, um, you really were one of the, the best of all time to ever do it at Mizzou. And I'm not, I'm not just buttering you up, but I, I cover every one of those games, man. And I haven't still to this day, haven't seen a guy make some of the plays that you made and you were surrounded by a lot of talented dudes, but um, great to have you on. Uh, tell us a little bit, tell us our, our, our listeners where you are these days and what yeah. you're up to. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for having me on and that little, that little intro. And I just want to add, Kind of before we dive into that, um, like you said, we, we had a, so many good guys. And honestly, you know, I, I tell people even now to this day, you know, I, I don't know that I would have been able to do the things that I did without the whole group of guys. And I said, you know, say from, you know, Mike Alden on down to, you know, whoever you or, or the world sees as the lowest of low in the, you know, <laughs> in the athletic department, we had a, a whole group that bought in and did things well. Um, yeah, so where I am today, my wife and I are back in Peculiar, Missouri. We have three little kids, um, a daughter and two boys, eight, six, and three. So right in the thick of, of it, trying to get our youngest out of diapers right now and doing financial advising and financial planning with a company called BMG Advisors with LPL Financial and something that I felt like, um, you know, everybody needs. I was talking to T-Ruck as I was transitioning and he got into construction, he said, it'll always be around and, and money is something that will always be around and needing wise financial advice and wisdom um, is something I desired for myself and my own family. And kind of with T-Rucks ad advice of, you know, find something that'll always be around. It was something that I felt like would always be needed. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember talking to you this summer at, at Pinkle's uh, golf thing and, you know, you, you played a decent, amount of time in the NFL and then you know you, you you're probably around guys that maybe <laughs> didn't do the best with their money and um that does it seems like for a guy that knows what he's doing maybe a natural transition to say hey I've, I've seen uh how this yeah. cannot work out you know managing your finances and all those millions of dollars players are getting and um yeah, yeah I think that's a pretty cool uh transition for you yeah thank you um I mean it, it is it is true I've seen it and you know unfortunately um, experienced even a little burn in financial advising myself working with with a financial advisor as a player that you know no longer holds his licenses and that's kind of another little kick of you know why um even somebody that you know I, I feel like I had a very good support system 
um, parents and, and people surrounding me that I listened to well and just being, you know, fairly frugal with, with that lifestyle style of potential, you know, opportunity to get yourself in trouble financially. And, sure. um, and yeah, a, a lot of people need it, but if, if nothing else, just, you know, sitting down with people and educating them. And, um, as, as you may or may not know, you know, Christianity and, faith in Jesus Christ is a big part of my life and, and money touches all aspects of things. So to be able to sit down and encourage people in a lot of different ways, um, you know, money's, I heard from one of my coaches in, in, uh, in Atlanta, money's not everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. So <laughs> you better be wise with it. That's a, that's a good one. All right. Let's, let's talk a little football. We got you on this week because Missouri of course is playing Kansas state first time tigers and wildcats have played since, Missouri left the uh, the big yeah. 12 for the SEC and you were a big part of some big wins over over the Wildcats and you obviously have a connection to Kansas State um you know mm -hmm. with, with your dad Paul Kaufman I think our, our older listeners probably remember Paul's great career at Kansas State so um before we can get to that we got to remind everybody who Chase Kaufman's greatness here I just looked doing the numbers <laughs> 247 career receptions still number one all time at Mizzou 2,659 yards, number three all time. And then those 30 touchdown catches, number one all time. I don't know if anybody's catching you on those. Um, but those that, that's where you stood when you ended your career and, and have, have stayed right there. Um, true or false, between 2005 and 08, Chase Kaufman started the most fights in practice. <laughs> uh maybe colin brown will tell you that i started him but i never finished and that was too it's, it's too taxing it takes away too much energy coach uh bruce walker my tight ends coach he would always say you know go right at right 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 till the end of the whistle and um that's something that kept me around in the nfl for eight seasons so uh, never finishing early and and guys don't like that when they're tired <laughs> that was that was back in the day where we could watch practice I just remember anytime there was a little skirmish in camp you you didn't even have to ask like I, I bet 45s in the middle of that one and, uh, <laughs> not, probably was a little bit but that's, that's chippy uh, you're such yeah. a mild-mannered guy off the field when we interview you and then you know you go out on the field and a little bit different guys so I, I think I think coach Finkel being a tight yeah. end he probably appreciated that Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned my dad earlier. My dad is somebody that has a lot to do with, you know, how I ended up and work ethic and, um, you know, going through the whistles as well and, you know, kind of getting in there and, and being, I mean, I say hard nosed, I tried to be that and, you know, tough and all these things and, and within the boundaries of the rules of the game. But um, gosh, I mean, as I look at football today and I look at the guys that are really doing well, I, I believe you got to have that dog in you yeah. and, you know, that ability to step on people's throat, even when you're up, because the game is still going and, you know, never letting somebody have the opportunity to, to feel like they have a chance to get back in it. And that's something that I tried to impose um, in my career. And I know that offensively and defensively special teams, you know, all the above, that's kind of what made us a, a team that, that got to where we did when I was there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go back to the decision you had to make. You're you're a really good high school player there at Raypack. Dad is a as a K State uh, standout. What was that decision like for you? What what did it come down to? Yeah, that was a tough one. It was down to Mizzou, Mizzou and K State, uh, my my top final two, and 
Um, you know, Coach Pinkler is a lot of a lot of you know fire on him in the media, especially in Kansas City area at that time. Yeah, that was like 2004 was your senior year, and that was not a great yep. year for uh, for the no, program. No, and Coach Pinkle will kind of tell you the recruiting story if you talk to him. And, you know, my dad grilling him, grilling Coach Hill, and um, Coach Pinkle kind of saying, no, you know, this kid's not coming here. He's going to K-State for sure. <laughs> and Coach Hill saying, no, I think we got a chance. And Coach Snyder, you know, people were talking about, you know, what is, what is his kind of legacy going to be and how long will he stick around? And that's something that really stuck with me along with, you know, who are the quarterbacks going to be? What kind of offensive am I going to be a part of? Because I was a receiver in high school. We didn't, we ran a wing tee, didn't have a, a true tight end. Um, and so what would I, what would that look like as far as transitioning to whatever offense I was going to? And Mizzou was heading to a, a, a spread offense kind of coming into the next year in what was going to be my freshman year, K-State was a little bit more of a, a running attack and, and maybe not pro style, but more pro style than, than yeah. Missouri. Um, and, you know, people were talking about Coach Snyder, you know, potentially retiring and, you know, kind of fast forward and he did retire after my freshman year, which, um, I mean, I, I don't think that's the only good reason that I, you know, Missouri turned out great over, yeah. over K-State, but, you know, one of them and a lot of prayer went into that, um, you know, and then of course there's a lot of guys from the Kansas City area that were in that recruiting class that, that went to Mizzou and, you know, you, you see the guys that you compete against and, and with and around and doing good things, you know, kind of around the city and, and it's like a, a whole multitude of things that say, you know what, I think this is the place uh, for me to go. And, you know, let's just take that leap of faith and see what happens. Yeah. You, you, you get here your freshman year and, and not, that was back when, you know, Gary would redshirt you if felt like uh, it was in your best interest. I mean, T Rucker redshirted, you know, William yeah. Moore redshirted. Those, yeah. those guys end up being, you know, high NFL draft picks and, um, it worked out for them, but, but you played right away. And I just remember when you came out to practice in camp, you know, it, at that point you feel like you could size people up a little bit when, and I just remember the consensus was, Oh yeah, this guy, this guy can play like he'll, he'll help this offense right away. And uh, you know, Brad Smith was still quarterback, obviously yeah. and, uh, they were starting to run it or start to throw it a little bit more, but get back to what made Brad special. And mm -hmm. what do you remember about just that transition you made? Did, did it feel pretty seamless at the time? Yeah, at the time, I mean, I, I came in with just expectations of working, working hard, my hardest and, you know, trying to make the travel squad, whatever that meant, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing, seeing what would happen. And, you know, those weren't, I guess, maybe not high enough expectations, but, you know, the more I've lived and I guess the little bit more wisdom that I've gained is, um, you know, you can't, essentially, you can't win the Super Bowl today. You just got to take little steps, right? Um and that was kind of my focus, just work hard every day and make sure that I'm consistent, that I understand my plays and my role. And, and you know, we had some good tight ends, Brian Barman, DeQuincy Howard, obviously T-Ruck. Um, and then we had a, a handful of guys in that same recruiting class as me that came in, John Gissinger. Um, I know we had one more that, that was from Texas that ended up leaving during camp. And, I, yeah, I, I was – blessed to just have opportunity 
Yeah. You know, whatever Coach Hill, whatever Coach Pinkle, um, Coach Walker, Yost, kind of all those guys saw in me. I just kept trying to work hard and, and prove them right, you know, with the opportunities that they gave me. Yeah. You come aboard and Missouri was still in this kind of this funk against some teams in the in the Big 12. Hadn't beaten Colorado in a long time. Yeah. Hadn't beaten Kansas State in a long time. Not since not since 93, I believe. Or no, 92 was the last time Missouri had beaten Kansas State. The last time they'd won in Manhattan was 89. So this thing had been going on for a while. Snyder's team was mm -hmm. just uh, really coming to its own in the, in the late 90s it did. But then it was just pretty dominant in that series. So you guys then in 06 host them. And, uh, you know, that, that was Chase Daniels' first year as a starter. We could kind of see the pieces of this offense and program really coming together. What, what do you remember about finally beating – k-state and what what that meant you know mm -hmm. just in terms of the program yeah well well to start that off i thought we had them in manhattan that, my first yeah. year <laughs> then they come back for coach snyder's last last game of the season That's to, right to pull it out um and I, I clearly remember some of my mistakes in that game, but uh, we'll pass that back up to the, the time we beat them. So I, I remember my, my cousins um, came in for that game. It was like a monsoon, you know, crazy yeah. rain. Um, you know, we, we had great leaders on the team, you know, Chase obviously being one of those, you know, T-Ruck, Lorenzo Williams, and guys that just continued to, to step up and, and just – just keep working hard, you know, and encouraging each other, holding each other accountable. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that were willing to work, whether yeah. they were the actual verbal leaders or not. You know, we had a bunch of great guys that were willing to put in the work. And then a couple of the vocal leaders that, that obviously put in the work too. Yeah. Did you guys talk about losing streaks like that? I mean, most of those losses, you know, you guys were in grade school for, but mm -hmm. that was something that Gary kind of inherited. And then you guys yeah. sort of inherited it. Was it something you, you had to, bring up a lot i'm sure we um, brought it up you guys you know they? yeah i think the thing i i think exactly what you said there is i think you guys brought it up more than we did or knew mm -hmm. about it right like i i grew up a k-state fan yeah both of my parents went to k-state so i didn't have you know this whole history of you know the fifth down and you know like all you know all this other mizzou, right. mizzou history growing up because i'd grown up a k-state fan you know t-ruck will tell you he grew up um well his brother went to nebraska so i don't know that right. he you know, I, I'm speaking for him right now, but <laughs> I don't know that he had this, you know, great Mizzou history either. Chase Daniel, you know, grew up in South Lake, Texas, you know, right. wanted to go to University of Tennessee or Texas. Um, Sean Weatherspoon, Denario Alexander, Jeremy Macklin, you know, all these guys, I, I don't know that they had this whole history of, you know, what Mizzou should be. And kind of, kind of to forward, you know, I, I tell people that about the, the Bengals this last year. Yeah. Right. They had a yeah. bunch of young guys that just didn't know that that Cincinnati wasn't supposed to make the Super Bowl. Right. Right. And and, you know, I think that's kind of the makeup of our team is, you know what, like it doesn't matter the, the past, the history. You know, it's that's not who we are. We don't yeah. have to live by that. This is a whole new regime. This is a whole new everything. Let's make our own destiny. Yeah, that's interesting. Um yeah, I just remember that was the that was the narrative back then, and it had been so mm -hmm. long. And then you you saw those, and and Gary talks about it still, like you saw those those uh, barriers kind of broken down yeah. one at a time, and that kind of defined who you guys became. 
Uh, yeah. You play yeah, him in coach, 07. Coach, well, Coach Pinkle did a great job of, you know, kind of setting the tone and saying, yeah. you know, like, you guys control this, right? I'm going to I'm gonna give you the opportunity as the head coach, but ultimately you as players, you got to hop on board and, and buy in and, and guys did it. And, and again, held each other accountable doing it. Yeah. That next year, 07, that game, it was so important because of what was happening, what could have happened the next week. But then you guys go and, and beat K-State in Manhattan, the place, like we said, no, no Missouri team had won in, in over, over a decade. Um, what do you remember about that day? Uh, you were you were super productive in 05 and 06 against them. I think six catches and a touchdown. I think you had two for 18 in 07, but that was that was a big Macklin day from what I remember. What what do you remember about, about that game? said Macklin <laughs> I know and we had I mean you know we had again so many guys that just if you if you shut one down or if you try to shut one down it didn't matter we could go other places and you know the great thing about that was that nobody really cared you know who got the touches we were I feel like a pretty selfless team as far as, you know, yeah, heck yeah. J-Mac going right down the middle. I remember it. I mean, I, I think that was like the first return for a touch for a touchdown, maybe kick yeah, return for a yeah. touchdown in Mizzou history in like the last 30 years or something yeah. like that. J-Mac nice. had one. He had a big, big touchdown. I want to say probably three touchdowns that game. Thank kick return, two deep, deep touchdowns. But yeah, I mean, when you, when you score and hit big plays like that, you're almost guaranteed to win percentage-wise. And as long as you win that game, then you set up the stakes the following week for yep. Kansas and, and Arrowhead. And I, I remember it. I don't think I'm making this up. By the end of the game, once you guys had won, I mean, the K-State fans, Missouri fans in Manhattan were chanting, beat KU. It sounded Everybody. like the K-State <laughs> fans were too. I mean, yeah. at that point, they realized they are going to lose this game, so they might as well – um, yeah, join yeah, sides and they were beat KU. That was un <laughs> unbelievable. Well, that's what everybody's, you know, my dad's buddies ask him, how do you let your son go to camp from not go to K-State and to Missouri? Well, well, we can hate Kansas from both sides now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you said, I think that was the case that weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you, you touched on this a little bit. I'm still fascinated by this 15 years later. How, for all you guys on that team that got all the touches at receiver and tight end, um, there's a chance that might not have worked. I mean, there could have been a guy who was who was selfish, um, who pouted, you know, hey, I, I need more touches this week. But it, it never, at least publicly, it never seemed to happen. Um, why mm -hmm. was that? Was that just the makeup of the people? Was it Coach Hill? Was it Coach Finkel? Was it your quarterback? Yeah. But, I mean, it, it worked, and that's hard to do. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, you kind of hit it is it was a, a little bit of everybody. And also the fact that like people knew, man, if you didn't, if you were that guy, it didn't like you could be replaced. <laughs> we yeah. had that, we had the kind of talent that you could be replaced if you were going to be whining about it. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, guys knew that, look, I, I better catch it when the ball comes my way because I want, I want, I do want more touches. Right. But you know, if not, like it makes us, it all, you know, rising tide raises all ships, right? Like it, it makes us all look better. And the coaches did a good job. Chase did a good job. We all did a good job of like, Hey, look, if, if you're catching more balls this week, that means that the defense is going to have to 
you know, go to you maybe next week and that's going to open up other things. So the better everybody does, the better, the more productive it is for all of us. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the box scores from that year, I mean, one week it's, it's Jeremy, one week it's Mm -hmm. it's T, one week it's you. Um, And you, I mean, Will Franklin's on that team and we don't even talk about him as much. Tommy Saunders, you know, Mm -hmm. makes big catches and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, it, yeah, across the board, guys had NFL opportunities, which is, I mean, amazing when you think of all the talent that we had on that team. I mean, even yeah. Derek Washington, you know, he got tryouts. <laughs> For sure. Um, okay, we won't we won't touch on the 08 K-State game too much because you were hurt for that one senior night. Um, that had to be a yeah. bummer. I've gotten to get to play him one last time and, and last home Yeah, game. Yeah, um, that, that, it did kind of stink. There was – we were still a really good team that year and the, I, I suited up and I probably practiced a couple plays that week and just like, Hey, look, if, if we need me, then I can try to go and, and try to, but let's try to heal this thing up so we can be available because, you know, K-State, Iowa State uh, leading up to the Kansas game weren't, I, I don't know, maybe we had, we had a lot of talent still. So yeah, yeah. You know, be, be ready, but, maybe maybe not be playing there were bigger things you know mm-hmm. past that past that game for sure yeah. um how, how do you like you know you 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 were obviously were part of the big 12 era um missouri dipping back in and playing a, a big 12 team they played some in bowl games but not where they actually scheduled a regular season game how do you like this having a series against against k-state i know you're going to the game and uh what do you think about trying to at least play some of these teams again would have stayed together but barring all the other circumstances I think it's a great situation for Mizzou overall um, it's you know of course a better proximity to Kansas City to make it to you know a game in obviously Columbia Manhattan you know Lawrence if that ever you know when that when that comes back um, maybe Iowa State maybe Oklahoma State um, Arkansas Arkansas is in the SEC now but but yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I think it's great. I think it's, you know, th- there's a lot of in the Kansas City area, kind of all that big 12 crowd and right. being part of this community, it's, it would be fun to kind of have a dog in the fight when the big 12 tournament comes to town or sure, stuff like sure. that, right? Like, like we used to. So, so Bill Snyder family stadium, I think it's still called it. It seats 50,000, mm-hmm. which is, it would be one of the smallest ones in the uh, SEC, but that place does get loud. Uh, yeah. Would you have any advice for like the current Mizzou guys who have never played somewhere like that and don't even know about this Big Twelve K State? I I don't think you like you just don't play it up any more than you know what it is, right? Like it's yeah. a game, and and you know when it comes down to it, the bottom line is you got to go out there and perform no matter no matter what stadium, what environment you're in. I know when we played at Colorado the first year that I played at Colorado, you know, coach Walker was like, well, you know, people talk about the elevation and this and that, and it's going to make you throw up and have, you know, bowels movements and what, you know, (laughs) but, but you know what, like you guys have put, you know, hopefully you've put in the work. And at that time, you know, we did Um, hopefully you've put in the work and you're ready and you're prepared and you know, what's going to show up. Um, you know, offensively, you know, their defense and defensively, their offense, special teams, you, you know, you, you just go out there and play, you know, the, and then at the end you can look and 
see the stadium and see everybody walking out and know you got the victory. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. You were part of that kind of tight end evolution back in the, in the two thousands that the position changed a little bit, you know, maybe not lining up in three point stance as much getting out wide, flexing wide and in the slot. What, when you watch football today, where do you think the position is? I mean, there are some big dudes that playing tight end at, at some of the best programs in the country that are doing some of the things you did, but maybe a little bit differently too. What, where do you see the position right now in college football? I still think there's like, you have, you have to have a, a balanced offense to go for. So, you know, if you got the tight end doing that, if you got the receiver running back, you know, offensive line quarterback, um, you have to have a mix and match of, of all those things. And obviously you're going to have your, you know, I'll use Jeremy Macklin, for example, you're going to have your all-star Jeremy Macklin, right. That hopefully when you have a guy on your team that can score from anywhere in, you know, a number of different ways. Um, and then you have your solid people kind of around that, right. Like people that can make plays, people that you can count on. And I think at, at Mizzou, when I was there, we had, you know, a whole lot of that, right. You know, Denario, J-Mac, they could probably score from anywhere. We had a, a running attack, you know, D-Wash, Tony Temple. Um, you know, we, we had guys that, that could make plays and even catch out of the backfield. And then we had, you know, me and T-Ruck, like there's a lot that we could do. Um, and as long as the offensive coordinator and the coaches can see everybody's strengths, and play to those strengths. You know, I don't know that the tight end necessarily has to be one or the other. Uh -huh. He's just got he's just got to fit in in the scheme, right? And play his part and be consistent. And you know, if that happens to be, hey, you need, you know, we don't have these guys at other positions and you need to be the playmaker, then hopefully you have have the tight end that can be that. Yeah. Um, I never, I never was a, you know, Kyle Pitts. You know, like I, I, he's, you know, blazing fast and, you know, I can catch probably way better than he can, but, no. <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I had a quarterback that, would, that trusted me and would put it anywhere and still throw it up even when I was covered. And, you know, then, and we had the guys that could, like I said, J-Mac that could score from anywhere on the field. So as far as where the position is to answer your question, um, you know, I think that, that they're being used more as receivers, but depending on the, the offense and the rest of the guys around you, you know, you got to be able to just, you know, melt, melt into what, what the coach has for you. Yeah, yeah. I, we were talking before we started recording that Darnell Washington, the tight end at Georgia, not even their starter, yeah. but people got to go look up this highlight if you weren't mm -hmm. watching the Oregon game, 6'7", 270. And he, he chased Kaufman to a defender on the sideline at the end of a catch. I mean, he hurdled this dude. And it's what we saw from you pretty much every week during your career. And now uh, now you see a 270-pound guy doing it. So maybe things have evolved just a little bit. But that that was the move that you perfected. That I, I remember Gary getting asked about it all the time. Like I, I wasn't hurdling <laughs> people back at Kent State back in the uh, back in the 70s, but but Chase has figured it out. Yeah. Um, you know, I like you said, 247 catches. I have a little bit of time to uh, try some different things with that many opportunities. <laughs> and as and as you know, big as I was, I had a lot of guys going low at my knees and saw some old highlights of Paul Kaufman. So 
uh, figured I'd give it a try. The OG. There you go. Yeah. It didn't always work, but man, I've seen some, luckily I I didn't get, get hit like some of the guys these days, Um, you know, really getting hit in an area that could be very exposed or, you know, falling on your head and having concussion type stuff. Yeah, you see as many hurdles today that don't work than you see that do work. So uh, your batting average was pretty good, though, from, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Chase, this was this was a lot of fun to catch up uh, timely this week with, with Kansas State. I know you're going out to the game, so have fun. I think there's going to be a decent amount of Missouri fans. They sold their, their ticket allotment pretty yeah. quickly. And, uh, you know, it's for a lot of them, it'll be a chance to revisit a place where most, you know, history wasn't great, but, but during your era – you guys definitely turned that around. Yeah, I know my you know my, my dad said that, you know, back when he played, he'd get whooped too. They were he'd probably won about one or two games a year, maybe. <laughs> Those are the dark ages for the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before before Bill got there. But yeah, yeah it'll be a, it'll be a fun weekend and hope Mizzou can stay on the winning streak and uh continue to build some build some confidence in themselves going into the rest of the season. But yeah, focus on this week, one and oh. It feels like one of those really big pivotal early season games where like the pendulum can sure. one way or the other, whatever happens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we got a lot of, a lot of guys still, you know, trying to make a name for themselves and, um, you know, not, not necessarily have stepped into that. Like, Hey, you're, you're there role yet. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, we want to remind our listeners, please check out, check us out at stltoday.com slash podcast where you can find the Eye on the Tigers podcast every week. Also, please subscribe. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. If so, please give us a rating. That helps uh, the podcast be more readily available and easier to find so we can have more great guests like Chase. And uh, leave us a comment. We always enjoy your feedback. So for Chase Kaufman, for Ben Fredrickson, I'm Dave Matter. We'll talk to you next week.